recording today uh, as fast as we possibly can. Welcome to Hand of Time. Sam Kelly, and this week's recording for Hand of Pod is a remarkably sober one. It's one of those sophisticated afternoon ones that we do over an espresso, because I'm joined here by English Dan. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Who is on his way to work around the corner. Um, I'm very sweaty since he just power walked ten blocks of here. Yes, but the traffic apparently outside my flat is, is quite bad. Um, <laughs> but we do have a whole week of Argentine football action to look back on. Not that that means ten... Domestic Premier No, matches. a few short of that, to be honest. Uh, three and a half short of yeah. it, in fact, because four of the matches were affected by heavy rain in the greater Buenos Aires region. Including two um, and a half of the championship matches. Yes, say. yeah, absolutely. Um, so the ones that did happen, first of all, we're, we're on a pretty tight schedule because Dan has to get to work. Um, we won't worry you too much about and that. And traffic yeah. and so on. So we'll, uh, we'll whip through the results of the matches that did happen. First of all, they were Banfield 3 Olimpo nil on Friday, Godoy Cruz one, Belgrano three on Saturday, uh, Gimnasia nil, Racing one on Saturday as well, which is one I'm sure Dan will want to talk about. Uh, Quilmes versus Vélez ended two one to Quilmes, Central nil, Rafaela two, San Lorenzo two, Boca Juniors nil, which was the only match on Sunday that actually took place. Indeed, um, the others. Were well, the others watched. actually one of the others kicked off. Tigre Lanús. Yeah. Uh, they managed to play the whole first half of that before the the rain. Uh, rained it off it was actually kicked off at the same time as San Lorenzo Boca um, but the rain in northern Buenos Aires at that point was clearly a lot more torrential I think more in the south of Buenos it's more Aires. a fact that Tigre lies on the delta so obviously the, oh, sure, the rain yeah. reaches a lot a lot um, a lot further there you know with the water levels and whatnot. Mm. any meteorologists in, in the audience can probably put us right but if you look at the games here you've got Tigre which is on the Rio de la Plata River which is on the Rio de la Plata and Arsenal and Defensa, which aren't that far away. No. So I think that was the determining factor. There was a hell of a lot of rain there. Hmm. I don't know if you got stuck in the rain at all at any point, but it wasn't very pleasant. I didn't know. My ceiling's been fixed, so I was okay. I just stayed in. Ah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I went out to this at one point, but I have a big umbrella and I was choosing to go out, so it wasn't quite as bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the main results from the matches that happened, uh, the Godoy Cruz Belgrano, the 3-1, not only was the... Uh, eighth match in a row during which Godoy Cruz conceded two or more goals mm. but it also meant the end for their manager Carlos Machor he's been replaced by Daniel Oldra his assistant about whom we know almost nothing Absolutely unless he's nothing. an ex-racing legend or something no all I can say about Machor is that it couldn't have happened to a nicer person since he walked out of Atlanta two weeks before the season started uh, to go to Godoy Cruz when you know he had a pretty decent side at Atlanta they'd been uh, fighting for promotion to the National League the, the season before and this season has been an absolute disaster so uh, yeah I don't really care good for you Mashon <laughs> <laughs> no but 
clearly about who, who or doesn't know or whatever. He's told me I know absolutely nothing. No, he's he's never had a manager in a managerial job before, as far as I can work out, um, as far as I've found from searching and he doesn't appear to have a Wikipedia page so we really can't tell you anything I think what we can say is that he probably needs to do a little bit of work on the defence yes and how much work he'll be able to do on the defence in the next uh, week or so mm. I do not know at all yeah. but um, no yeah, speaking seriously know. for a second I feel a little bit bad for Godet Cruz because if nothing else they've been a very entertaining team to watch I mean talking about 52 goals in 14 games yes so what's that over three a game Absolutely. Not that most of that is coming from them themselves. So no, they've let in 30 off, and scored 22. They're probably, what, the fifth highest scorers in the league? They're the fourth highest scorers in the league. Only River, um, River Racing and Independiente have scored ah, more. Go. They've scored more than Lanús, who are in Indeed. second. But they've uh, conceded they've more conceded than well over twice as many as Lanús. <laughs> so there we go. That's, that's the clear problem. Um, and Aldra mm-hmm. would be well advised. Aldra claims that they've got the squad to rescue the season from here and that they can... Uh, that, that they can, uh, you know, march yeah. on and, and improve their form. We'll see. They definitely got quality. Is quite if he can, if you can kind of clean them up a bit at the back, they can take a few points. Yeah, we can get a clean sheet. Who knows? <laughs> maybe they can have great. a game where they just let one goal well. for starters. Um, and also Dan Rassing, as, as you mentioned when I sent round very mockingly the email saying, you know, since Rassing have won this week, we'll, yeah. we'll invite you on. As if it was a you know, rare occurrence. You know. Rassing are in quite a fine run of form at the moment. Is they it are, six indeed. of the last eight they've won or something? Uh, seven of the last nine, we can say. There we go. Only a defeat against Rafaela and a draw against Olimbo is, are the only black marks. I meant about five of the last seven. Hmm. But prior to that, he had lost to Independiente, lost to Lanús, draw to Newells. But since then, ah, there we go. Quite yeah. right. The, the record in the last seven is, uh, is one five, five one, one, lost two, yeah. uh, lost one. Sorry, I was counting a couple of friendlies against um, Deportivo Rietra. Ah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which are almost the only matches you've had a chance to get to, right? Oof, I wish. It's it's been tough going this season. I mean, it's great to see Racing winning, and they've been doing very well. But I guess the upshot of that is that they. A uh, winning team gets tends to get put on the more um, the more attractive time slots, let's say, which is usually um, a Sunday afternoon. And Sunday afternoons is when I'm plugging away in um, Buenos Aires Herald.com newsroom. Which so I've had to you know console myself with screaming madly at a TV, in, and all the same within a stone throw at the stadium as well. In San Telmo to Avashania, we're not far away at all. No, it doesn't take very long. To you know, San so far has has been the feeling for me this season. But I'm I'm very happy with what I've been seeing from Racing. I, I was quite impressed, not so much by the performance against Gimnasia because they weren't really that good against Gimnasia, no, but no. more by the balls they showed because Gimnasia, a bit like Godoy Cruz, have needed to tighten up a bit in defence for a few weeks. They've managed it in the last couple of weeks, and they looked very. Um, Compact. They, they frustrated Racing really well, mm-hmm. but Racing made a couple of changes. Diego Coca gave himself a bit of credit after the match and said, "You know, I, I changed things around a bit." And yeah, I think he deserved back. it. Although um, it was fairly obvious where the where the team was breaking down. Yes, uh, you, you have a team like Gimnasia who are very strong down the wings. They've got uh, Rojas leached, and on the other side, I can tell you Oreca. was Oreja. Oreja had a very good game. Yeah. Um, so what he did was yeah. He started with two wide men, Centurion and Acuna, who are very good players, very creative, but they're not the strongest runners, and they're not going to give you much 
going back. So what you had was basically a lot of overlapping gymnasia. They were really pushing Racing back. And to be fair, their defence um, played very well with it. I thought Cabral had an excellent game. Uh, Vogoril, who people might not have seen much of this season, he was a free transfer from San Lorenzo. And he, played, he started his first game on Saturday and played very well. Really, really solid. Hmm. But then the changes were, you know, he kind of threw on uh, two forwards for two midfielders, let's say. Well to play kind of as, as wide midfielders and it worked really well he kind of injected a lot more pace with Alci and Catichon and Racing took it with an assist from one of the Bowl brothers on the field on was the field on Saturday the assist? no it was oh, Bowl who held up in the box and, yeah. Yeah, and then Alci yeah a really fantastic strike from Alci who scored in the last game as well he's on a bit of a run like the, Ra- the Racing strikers yeah. It's the best strike force in the league, as we never tire of saying. And, yeah, we're feeling good about it. I think you can say about this game, you know, the best teams can win when they're not playing well. And that's something that's always been a problem for Racing. Yes. They have to play an impeccable 90 minutes of football to win a single game. On Saturday, they played pretty poorly, apart from, you know, in a few, in a few stages. But they won, and it could have even been a, a little bit more convincing. Yeah, and turn in a couple of chances. So happy. And it's Very a happy. win. It's a win that takes them up to third place in the yes. Donnell de Transition, albeit having played one match more than their hated rivals in Independiente, um, who are level on points with them, but just behind them at the moment in fourth on goal difference. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that is that Independiente and Lanús and River all had matches called off due to, mm-hmm. as we say, the torrential rain. Lanús versus Tigre was nil nil at half time. Before that pretty surely 45 minutes I mean I was watching that San Lorenzo game a bit more it started seemed... off alright yeah the last 10 minutes of the half or so the, the pitch was getting unplayable and um, the referee Fernando Echenique recognised that fact and decided not to kick off the second half both teams agreed with him on the TV interviews afterwards um, it was uh, interesting Tigre were, were doing quite well I thought considering the standard of the opposition and the conditions they had to play in um, and Tigre's problems of late they've now not won in well they haven't won in three matches or call it three and a half with this but that's a bit harsh obviously um, and so that that was uh, yeah as I say it was getting towards the point where you were thinking the second half can't possibly start here and uh, and so it didn't um, and the other matches uh, the, the matches scheduled for later that day Arsenal versus Independiente uh, didn't kick off at all <laughs> and River against Estudiantes chapter 2 because of course they've got the Copa Sudamericana tie either side of it um, also didn't kick off both due to the rain uh, Defensa was this year versus Newell's was the other match that got um, postponed that was um, due to be played on Monday and it's now going to be played on Thursday the 20th um, the other matches Tigre Lanús uh, the second half and the whole of River Estudiantes is going to be played on the 12th of November which is a week today Yes. Recording on Wednesday, it's, it's next Wednesday. Um, and Arsenal versus Independiente, I see it's been put for Thursday. Is that because of Independiente's birthday lunch? I have no idea. Indep- yeah. it was, they were all going to be put on Wednesday, but uh, Independiente complained because apparently they have the big dinner to celebrate the club's anniversary oh, right. uh, on the Tuesday. And so apparently you can't play football after you've had dinner the night before. No, on a full stomach. No, never mind the fact that it's just going to be the directors and yeah. probably a few of the players will have a salad or something. Um, it's good to see the AFA, uh, you know, taking things seriously this time around with um, 
we've got Andana Garden Segura <laughs> yes, no, United no, invited in for his, for his next term yeah um, <laughs> and then defensive versus Newell's is going to be on Thursday the 20th so that's in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. time um, but it leaves a title race that's not really changed very much from last week obviously as, as we said last week River 31 points from 13 matches Lanus 27 points from 13 matches which as Andres and Peter and I mentioned last week would be a pretty bloody impressive um, total in itself uh, and they'd be top of the league in almost any other championship mm-hmm. if it weren't for this near record equaling run that River are on um, River versus Estudiantes on Thursday night is going to go ahead in the Copa Sudamericana um, that'll be tonight probably by the time you listen to this I imagine don't think I'll get this online later today but I might do um, as of course is Cerro Porteño versus Boca mm-hmm. in Asuncion both Argentine sides no hang on that's not right is it because River and Estudiantes are both Argentine sides Indeed. both of the, the two giants from Argentina have um, leads from the first leg in that I can't remember exactly when we recorded last week but I think we missed the Boca game uh, River of course won the first leg against the Estudiantes 2-1 last week and Boca beat Cerro Porteño 1-0 and we did miss that one because Andres thought that Boca were going to win 1-0 last week and then lose 2-0 this week so we'll see we'll see whether that happens yeah, it's what, not going to be easy from what chances do you give both River and Boca of, of getting through given that they've got the lead do you give Estudiantes a chance of turning it around against River um, in the Monumental where River no to be honest 7 months 2-1 is going to be too much for Estudiantes I think if they'd have held them to 1-0 then we would have had a, a pretty decent game like Estudiantes who don't have you know that kind of second second responsibility in in uh, in the transition mm. would have just thrown everything at it um, and they would have had at least a fighting chance but you, you can't see uh, River losing by one by two goals, right? I can't see. To be honest, it's difficult to see River conceding a goal. They, they've let in mm. two goals in six home games so far this season in the league. Uh, they've beat Godoy Cruz to nil, didn't they, in the Sudamericana second leg? And I think, if I remember, yeah, and, and they beat uh, Libertad two nil in the mm. in the uh, previous round of the Sudamericana. Plus, so they've conceded two goals in eight matches mm. at home uh, this season in all competitions. Plus, that postponed match is going to suit them down to the ground. I don't think they would have had too many complaints. It's given them a bit of a rest. I, I, exactly. I read a couple of people questioning whether it was better or worse for them because, of course, it does mean mm. that they've got a midweek match next week now. And if they win the Sudamer- if they get to the Sudamericana semi-final, that's going to be a Super Classico in the two weeks after that. Um, well, potentially a Super Classico, of course, because do we think Boca are going to go through against Cerro Porteño? It's, it's going to be a hell of a battle. need to hold the Rivers. They're away yeah. from home. They're playing a much better side, it must be said, than Capiata. Although, mm. I was... Um, Surprised by how awful Cerro Porteño looked last week. They didn't do much at all, no. Um, they weren't, it wasn't the easiest conditions, I don't think. Uh, there was a lot of rain, right, again? I think that's basically a they given for this season. Yeah, on the first day there was a lot. Yeah, it had been raining non-stop Tuesday and Wednesday, I remember, because I went out of work on Tuesday and got absolutely drenched. I've, been, I've become yeah. kind of numbed to it, but you're right. I, yeah. I think it was raining during the game. Let's assume the there was, the pitch was wet conditions, and, yeah. unless we're told otherwise. So maybe, yeah, on their home ground, they've got nothing to lose. They can just go straight out for it. And, you know, all the pressure's on Boca, really. They've owned, after losing to San Lorenzo, the sort of Americanos, all they got for, to save the season. And there's, there's weaknesses in the Boca side. Like, I haven't been convinced by, by their defence. I think if you really attack them, you know, you put the ball over the top, they're, they're vulnerable. And there's no reason why Serra Padeño 
by Daniel Cartman. It's mm. not quite 50-50, but I'd say only about 60-40 to Blocker at the moment. Yes, so. I'd, I'd go along with that. Yeah. Um, those two matches are going to be on, as we say, on Thursday evening. Cerro Porteño versus Boca starts at 7 o'clock Argentine time. I believe Paraguay's at the same time zone. So. Yeah, um, around that time. 7 o'clock Argentine time, anyway. And River versus Estudiantes starts at 9.30pm. Both of these, of course. Um, also Argentine time. Uh, we are now three hours behind the UK, since you people in the in the UK have moved your clocks back. Uh, we're three hours behind British <coughs> British sometime, Greenwich Mean Time. I'm catching up on you. Uh, it is, yeah. Um, if you want to try and catch those matches, and we assume if you live in another time zone that you can work out your time from Britain, basically. Because mm. we're like that, because we're both English. So well, yeah. why shouldn't you be able to? We can only give you like, what, two options. We can't exactly you know, start saying what the time's going to be in Honolulu, in Sydney, or... No, precisely. You know, we've got to keep this serious, really. East coast of the United States is now behind Argentina. That's, that's always been behind, right? behind, I know. It was one hour, and now it's two hours, I think. Oh, two hours behind Argentina. Yeah, it was oh, one okay. hour now, too. Yeah, no, that was like, an I had to cover a bit of the elections yesterday, so I was watching that. Oh, there we go, right. So East Coast of the United States is two hours behind yeah. Argentina. Um, and we'll leave it at that. should allow everybody to, to be able to work them out. Um, <laughs> what else? Any other main talking points? From, from well, we haven't talked about San Lorenzo's heroic extending of, of their... Um, in the like classical, they're, they're, up to, they're up to ten matches in the professional era now. They're up to ten matches over... Boca with a 2-0 win it was San Lorenzo's first win in 8 matches I think uh, not against Boca but in the league as a whole um, and something like their 6th well it was their 6th in the last 11 because in the last 10 matches prior to that one they had 5 wins mm. uh, and Boca had 3 Gonzalo Beron and Martin Calderuccio scored the goals both in the second half and in the opposite order from what I just said their names in so I apologise to them um, I was very happy with that because I think Cauterucho and Verona, two, you know, when they're on form and fit, they're two of the very best players we've got in the whole um, Primera. Mm. Got Cauterucho, he's arguably pound for pound the best centre forward. He was at least for Quilmes before he had that horrific injury, yeah. uh, just after San for San Lorenzo. And Verón, uh, he's also had a lot of trouble with injury, but he's a really exciting kind of wide attacker. This uh, Di Maria um, prototype that that Argentine seemed. Argentina seems to be churning out by the by the bucket for at the moment. Yeah, and I, it's I good to see them back amongst the goals and in a better form. As with San Lorenzo, like uh, I'm not Lorenzo a particular fan. Yeah. Play themselves into some form ahead of the Club World Cup. Well, I think they've, they've written off this league championship. To which end, today, Wednesday, they're playing away in Milan. They are indeed. In, uh, in the Coppa Bellusconi or something I don't know what it's called in Italian but here they're calling it the Coppa Bellusconi yeah. um, I don't know whether that it's definitely on television at 9.30pm our time it's only on Fox I think it is. it's only being televised via the internet I but, can't remember uh, what the site right, is I was, I was going to say because it can't possibly be being played that can't be live the 9.30pm no. transmission because that's uh, 1.30 in the morning no. it's, a, it's a deferred tra- transmission let's say um that really is a sign that they're just ignoring the league altogether. Yeah, they, they're going to be knackered. Much, I mean, admittedly, yeah. they don't play until Monday against Newell's uh, this weekend. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's very much a, a warm-up for the Club World Cup, is how they're seeing it. And Carlo Ancelotti uh, is going to be going along to watch them and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, yeah. that'll be interesting. But, no, San Lorenzo, congratulations. Mm-hmm. I did see one or two Boca fans on Twitter who were rather unhappy with the fact that uh, Arroa Barrena was giving Juan Comar his debut at centre-back for the first mm. team um, in a derby 
of all of the times to to give them a debut when Quan uh, Forlin was on the bench. Um, well, it was kind of a similar brilliant. Thing. No, at the same time, you know he's not going to be brilliant if he's making his debut in a big no, match like that. It's kind um, of a similar situation, I guess. What happened with Liverpool yesterday, uh, where where Brendan Rodgers put in a whole load of uh, kind of youngsters, second string players to play against Real Madrid away, kind of saying that look. Even with our best players, we're probably not going to win this one, so we'll give them a run up. But, but technically, it was pretty good, but it's, right, kind of, but the uh, thing is, it's, it's a not, weird. It's not quite like that, is it? Because if Boca had won that match, then they'd be on 26 points. They'd be level with Racing and Independiente, who obviously didn't play, in you know joint third place, essentially. And it's not as if, okay, I know San Lorenzo have got the head to head record, and you can go and, yeah. you know, oh, they always beat them regardless of form or whatever. But the fact is, San Lorenzo are doing pretty poorly this, this, uh, this season. They've now won five, drawn two, lost seven. Yeah. But prior to that match, they won four, drawn two, lost seven. They were in something like 17th. Mm-hmm. Why would you not go there and try to win? Why would you? No, I'm sure he tried to win, but realistically, even if they won that match, do you think Boca have a chance of the league? Look, I can't see it really. No, of course not. If but, River win, it's still eight points. So. But there are continental positions as well. Let's not forget that next year's competition yeah, the qualification is going to be done just on this championship. But if they carry on in um, Sudamericana, if they overta- if they go one step further than Estudiantes, they're into the Libertadores. Well, in fact, if they get the, if, if they go the same, um, if they get as far as Estudiantes, they're into the Libertadores, um, and they're probably in the Libertadores anyway. There's quite a sort of combination of things that needs to happen for Boca yeah. not to qualify for the Libertadores, in spite of the fact they've not qualified for it yet. Uh, I'm going to go over those next week. There's a very good blog post on Laredo for Spanish speakers. Um, which, which goes all the way through all of the possible permutations and who's qualified and who's not qualified and who can qualify. Um, did you know, by the way, no, I didn't that uh, the winners of the Copa Argentina qualify for the Libertadores? Yes, that, yeah. of course. Did you know that if Argentinos win the Copa Libertadores, then they're not allowed into the Liber- uh, win the uh, Copa Argentina? You kidding me? They're not allowed into the Libertadores. If Ura can win it, they're also in the second division, of course, then they are. Because, because Argentinos went down last year. Because the AFA have a rule whereby if a team has um, has suffered relegation in a calendar year, they're not allowed into any continental competition the following year. Or the following season. If Argentinos win the Copa Argentina and then win the Super Copa, uh-huh. they will be allowed into the Sudamericana. But they're not so, allowed because that's next season. Yeah. But, but they're not allowed into this season. Estudiantes de Buenos Aires had beaten Argentinos, they could have gone in no problem. Yeah. Although they're elite below, they think it really good. Yep, absolutely. Um, wow. The, <laughs> Just the wonderful machinations of the AFA. We'll be, I'll be back next week and I'll be uh, trying to translate yeah. some of that post and note it all up myself first so that I can give you the yeah. full lowdown. I'd hazard to say that if Argentinas <laughs> do happen to win the, the Copa Argentina, do, do a special think, dispensation will unite. Is this anything to do, your, your guess about this, with uh, uh, the former president of Argentinos being the current president of the AFA? It certainly won't hurt, the, help, uh, hurt their chances. That's no. all I'm going to say. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all, given Excellent. that this is an organisation who have already bent the rules over backwards to allow Boca a second chance to qualify. Second um, or third or fourth, I've counted a lot of chances for yes, Boca. Yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Right. The, the other thing to do with what I'll be talking about next week is that apparently... The playoff that should have happened between Boca, that shouldn't have happened between Boca and but then the Alpha say should have happened, and they didn't play because it's only going to be played at the end of the year because that's when we'll know whether it's needed or not. Okay. If Boca lose it, 
Is it if they lose it or if they win it? I think, no, if they win it, if they win it, then they shouldn't have gone into this year's Sudamericana, which they're currently in the quarterfinals of with a one 0 lead after the first leg. So it's all very complicated. It's all very Argentine football. Oh, yeah. Come back That's next it. week on Underpod for more fun, more Kafkaesque organisation. Yeah, indeed. Um, I think that that's, that's everything yeah. because we've been talking rather quickly we apologise if you're a non-native speaker it's the espresso try, yeah. try playing it back at 75% speed or something afterwards your media player hopefully will allow you to do that and we'll both sound very funny Indeed. we'll sound a lot oh, like yeah. yes. um, we're not drunk I swear no we're definitely not we're just wired on coffee um, we have had one question so I'm now going to play some music just because that's something we do not because it's actually we've been talking for all that long um, and we will come back and answer that question This week is from David Ellingham, as ever, and he has emailed. A reminder that you can email us. You can go onto the Hand of Pod contact form on the blog um, and email me there, and I will answer your question if I remember to. David Ellingham asks, um, I have some questions on what is happening at Huracan. Five years ago... That's a good ago, point. I, was, I would have liked to talk about Huracan, so now I've got the chance. We're now going to, yeah. Thank you. David. Five years ago, he says, Angel Kappa's Huracan were delighting us with a fantastic brand of football, and now their fans are rioting as they sit second bottom of the Primera B Nacional Group B. Where's it all gone wrong? What's been the fallout from their recently abandoned match? That was the one against Cipolletti, wasn't it? No, that was... Thank you, yeah. Uh, and then he's got a couple of questions on another issue as well. So first of all, Dan, you must talk about Huracan. Why has it gone wrong for them? Um, to be honest, the case of Huracan is pretty much a snapshot of all the, um, the weaknesses and all the, um, the risks, let's say, of Argentine football. They had a brilliant team in 2009, but I think already by the end of 2009 and certainly by the second half of 2010 that team had been completely dismantled you know obviously you had people like Pastore who went over to Europe De Federico went to Brazil Toranzo to Racing even you know the kind of the, the core of that squad who weren't big stars but still pretty decent players went went off to other other places um, to be honest this year I'm not sure what happened but it's something that you can see every now and then when a team is just just short of getting promoted let's not forget that you say if we make the comparison between 2009 and now it looks bad but even if if we go back even six months not even six months you had a really uh, entertaining really decent Huracan team that um, in 2014 were the best team in in the National League actually finished third in in the, in the National Beer, but because the AFA is the AFA, they couldn't do it on goal difference. They had to have um, a playoff between yeah. them and the fourth place team, who we shall not mention because my indignation might be misconstrued as something else. Um, so I think that loss, and it was quite a quite a damning loss in the end in, uh, in the playoff. 
uh, really just took the wind out of their sails. It's, it's hard to get back from something like that. But you, you would have thought, you know, with five teams going up from, from the National V in each group, or ten in total, it was, it was all in their favour, but it's, it's hard to say what went wrong. Obviously, the fans haven't had much patience, the team hasn't been playing well, they kind of got stuck. You know, lamenting the the promotion that that wasn't to be, and yeah, it's hard to say where it's quite gone wrong. You know, from two thousand and nine, the institution has been absolutely pathetic. You had uh, Babington, the, the legendary player, who turned out to be an awful, awful president. That didn't help. They went down, I think, two years after after that two thousand and nine Kappa team, mm. um, and yeah, since then it's all kind of been freefall. Um, it's a really big club, but they just haven't been able to um, to perform. It's it's a mystery. But again, the things that really hurt all clubs: not being able to hold on players, living in debt, violent fans, um, facilities that are falling to pieces. Yeah, that's, it's all part of the of the same problem, really. So yeah, kind of this it's a snapshot of what's wrong with the whole division, really. That story of Uruguay. Yes, I think that that's it. But we shouldn't First rule out the fact that they could still very much go up. They're not far away from uh, promotion at all. No. Four yeah, or five wins and they, um, they could be up. And a turnaround in form and, and the fact that there are so many games still to go in the, in the Nacional may, means that those uh, groups are all a lot closer than they might look at first glance. Indeed. Uh, David's other questions are he's read that there is uh, that the AFA are considering and indeed the government are considering bringing in legislation that will make it illegal to resell football tickets so he says how big an issue is touting in Argentina and is this going to have an impact on companies who take tourists to matches um, touting is a, a very big issue in Argentina a very big issue yeah. not necessarily but in terms of volumes of tickets sold but in yeah. terms of who has the control Indeed. over the touting yeah. uh, as we've mentioned before it is of course the Barra Bravas um, they have control over a lot of the ticket resales yeah. um, although I must I must say that um, to an extent we can take out Boca and River in this because yeah. there you've got clubs where demand much outstrips supply but in the vast majority of clubs it's not really an issue because you can sign on as a member, you get cheap tickets anyway, and um, even if you're not a member, Plateas, they're fairly pricey, but they're not going to kill you, let's say. No, So there, I'd say, you know, they're not, there's not too much of an issue, but one River and Boca, course, is, as is David uh, hints at, is, is tourists who aren't going to sign up for membership for a club if they're going to want No, of course. And, and there know. are some clubs, such as Vélez, for instance, who don't allow you to buy tickets for the Platea mm. if you're not a member and uh, charge about 150 pesos for the Popular if you're not a member which is um, an interesting amount of money to have to pay for the, the Popular um, is it going to have an impact on companies who take tourists to matches I suspect that they will find a way around it yeah it's not going to hurt them too much um, it might if it does what it's supposed to do take some of the influence away from the Barra and it's no coincidence that the people who were meeting the uh, city government or is it the national government city. today this is coming in from the um, in Capital Federal. Okay. Uh, who were meeting with the city government earlier this week were the president of the AFA, Luis Segura, and the presidents of River and Boca, yeah. um, and not so many of the other clubs. And to make things a little bit more complicated, let's not forget that just three months ago, Luis Segura was accused of touting his own tickets for the World Cup. Yes. So he's, you know, he's not exactly um, a spotless character. 
No, well, no, not, not just accused either. I mean, there were, there were tickets going around with Julio Rondona's name um, printed on them as, as the man who, who the ticket was for, uh, for the World Cup semi-final and final, I think it was, if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah, so it's not a huge issue at most clubs, but it's a, a definite large minority issue, like I said, a couple of clubs, yeah. uh, and one that does affect those clubs quite a lot, because if River and Boca, of course, as we've mentioned before, we're taking the Super Classico abroad with the current parlous state of Argentine finances, they're both clubs who are scrambling around for money, uh, as don't, indeed is everybody else in Argentina, um, and for both of them, if they can take some, at least some of that uh, tourism uh, out of the hands of the Badra and bring it into themselves, I think they should follow Argentina's model, personally. Yeah. If I, if I take uh, a group of people to Argentinos, and if you're listening, then you're more than welcome to uh, to come along with me. Argentinos allow me in uh, free as the guide, and they charge everybody else uh, not much over the normal face value of the ticket, to be honest. I, I charge a bit more, of course, for my time. Um, and they give you, as well as as, um, as just a match ticket, they give you a, a tour around the museum, and they allow you to pitch after the game's finished. Bye. Imagine doing that at La Bombonera or the Monumental. They'd sell out both of which seconds. also both seconds. of which also have museums. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see any reason at all that River and Boca can't do that. For other clubs, it's a bit trickier because not every other club has has a museum. In fact, I don't think any of the other clubs have a museum inside the stadium apart from Argentinos. Um, so you're trying to say that that might be a better way to go than having to buy tickets off the Barra, which also could be fake, and then wonder if they're going to turn around and rob you. Possibly. Just possibly. Well, we'll have to see. I think it's worth we'll River and Boca looking at Argentinos and, and wondering. And I'm a little bit surprised, in fact, given that they both know Segura, that Segura has not mentioned to Donofrio yeah. and to, uh, or doesn't appear to have mentioned to Donofrio and Angelisi <laughs> that this is an option. It's a bit bizarre. I guess the problem with that is if they make it official, then you're going to have the problem with so many uh, normal fans who aren't socios coming up and saying, wait, so you're putting away officially tickets for tourists and people that have got nothing to do with the club when well we've got a five month waiting list to even have the chance of a ticket or what the fuck of that's course. the the other side you know if they do it in you you know, to the barra it's kind of a hundred per match yeah. it's not gonna if you do it with the barra it's kind of like oh you know nothing to do with us it's you know something out of our control but once they make it official then it's not as if any of question of priorities that the barra has nothing to do with of the course, anyway, though, of course. So. But there's this kind of uh, plausible deniability let's say yeah in a US government for us or implausible deniability <laughs> but there yeah. we go um, right here we go then that's uh, that's all of the questions fortunately really because we've got limited time as I say um, I have recorded Mystic Sam already before Dan got here because I knew that we were going to be quite short on time but here is Mystic Sam's theme music Mystic Sam's predictions for this weekend. Lanús versus Arsenal is on Friday, and I think that Lanús are going to win that one. Olimpo versus Quilmes should be a draw in Bahia Blanca. Atlético de Rafaela versus Godoy Cruz. Giving Godoy Cruz defence, that's got to be an Atlético win. Belgrano versus Defensa y Justicia. I think Belgrano can squeak a win in that one. Independiente versus Gimnasia La Plata um, should be an Independiente win. Estudiantes versus Rosario Central. I think that that's going to be Central's fifth straight away defeat. Racing versus Banfield. I'm going for a home win. Boca Juniors versus Tigre. 
Um, I think that Boca ought to win in spite of the fact that they're playing on Thursday nights. Vélez Sarsfield versus River Plate. Uh, I'm going to go for a River win. They're in that kind of form at the moment. And Newell's Old Boys versus San Lorenzo on Monday night. Uh, I'm going for a draw. I don't think either of those sides are in especially good form. There we go. And now you will have also heard Mystic Sam's predictions because I'm going to put them into that little bit just there. This is a slightly bizarre <coughs> way around of doing it. And I've typed out Mystic Sam's predictions there for Dan. Uh, are there any of those looking over very quickly, Dan, that you particularly strongly disagree or agree with? I've gone for a Racing win against Banfield because I need Thank to be you. pleased. Mm, no, I can't really argue with too many of them. I think maybe News could have the better of San Lorenzo, but News have been so, in, you know. Hot and cold this year, there yeah. you can't really say. I As I've said, really lots and lots of home wins this week. Yeah, um, uh, what I'm predicting. Uh, we've had a fair few, I think, earlier this season. So we shall see. Yeah. Good luck. Three o'clock. You're only going to be yeah, five minutes late for work. Yeah. That's brilliant, isn't it? Um, thank you very much for running <laughs> over. Given that uh, it's a pleasure, Sam. Uh, thank you for having. Me. Given that we had to start slightly late and we've only had limited time. Thank you as well, dear listeners, for joining in. Uh, once again, we do appreciate your support, as we have done for almost, almost the last four years, because next week, or rather, more specifically, the end of next week, I think it's Friday, I think it was the 14th that we recorded, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And of Pod turns four years old. That's an entire World Cup cycle. Um, we'll no doubt be doing something or other next week to celebrate this fact, although what that's going to be, I don't know yet. Um, if you need to record on the Friday to mark the, the exact day, my, my apartment's free. So just let me know. That's an intriguing proposition. We, we might go for that. Um, but for now, anyway, uh, thank you for listening to episode 164. Yeah, 164 of Hand of Pod. Um, and for now, from English Dan, it's goodbye. Goodbye, and thank you for listening. And from me, Sam Kelly, it's goodbye. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.